Christ to his mighty descendants. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Today, first of Edward, Jesus went off to be given 40 days to fasting and preparation. And when he was led there by the Spirit, and he fasted for 40 days, how many days did he have to For 40 days. But the church gives us fasting 
as a discipline to overcome our flesh and bring our will into subjection. So the few things the church teaches us that fasting has a direct overlap with spiritual discipline, there's some reasons for this. So St. Thomas Aquinas talks about what, in his conversation about what separates man from beast, what makes us as humans bear the image of God, part of that is, is reason, and part of that is the ability to subject our passions, our flesh, and our desires to our will. There are bodies that say, hey, we need to eat. We don't always have to say yes. We say yes often, I do. But he says that part of what makes us human is that we subject, we can subject our passions to our will. The animals don't do that, they simply act on instinct. And so that's very good for God in part by learning how to overcome our passions. Does that make sense? He also makes an interesting discussion that meat, in fact, uh, contributes to our getting into our passion. I love meat. It is harder for us, he says, to give up meat than it is to give up some other things. For me, that's true. I think you may have chocolate or something that's more difficult than that. But that spiritually, when we abstain from meat, we learn to overcome our passions. Also, traditionally, the church uh, has observed a communion fast, right? Out of reverence for the presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, and out of spiritual discipline, traditionally, the church has said by law that we're not supposed to eat from the evening before until after we receive communion. I won't ask you about the right, but no, that's the rule, okay? That we are supposed to come to communion having fasted, spiritually and physically hungry. And it says in Matthew 4.3, and the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. The tempter comes and has a solution for Jesus and his hunger. And we know, knowing Jesus is God. He could have easily turned to bread. But something I want to point out to you is that there is a tempter, and that tempter preys on our needs, our wants, and our weakness. Satan takes advantage of those things we need, or think we need often. Those things we want, he will use to tempt us. And those things that he knows to be all weakness. And he said to Jesus, command these stones. Satan challenges us to take into our own hands that which is the prerogative of God. Many times in my own life, when I have been more successful at being a sinner than a Christian, it has been because I decided that I could, by my own means and power, Obtaining that which God is supposed to provide for me. Often this is the temptation. But we see Jesus' reply in Matthew 4 4. He says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is a quote from Deuteronomy 8 3. This is a little sidetrack. 
And so the Israelites, in context of Deuteronomy 8, they're being reminded of what God has done for them. It says they went into the desert where they journeyed for 40 years. And how did they get them that time? God provided them man, he said also, bread from heaven. And he said, God said to Deuteronomy 8, the arrivals in Hungary, that they may know that man lives not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it's by God's word that we survive, in fact, that we have all the way. And it's by God's word that they receive the man. But Jesus responds to the temptation of Satan by quoting scripture. We'll come back to that in a minute. He appeals to the word of God. And he submits his life to the promise of God, that God will provide. Not that I will take it upon myself. Not that I will give it to the temptation of Satan. But that God will provide. That's the purpose of this verse of Psalm. And, um, we depend on God, and we acknowledge that when we fast. If you want to know that you depend on God, that's one of two things that. Fast for a really long time to be hungry. He's stuck in a meeting to get out of some salt in there. Or have salt in there. That was that. Every time I call it, I immediately cut my very first person. Because you know it's going to be expensive every time. So, those two things. The second thing we see is a discussion regarding spiritual pride. Matthew 4, 5 through 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city. And set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, serve yourself now. For in Britain, he will command his angels to serve you. And on their hands they will hear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. First thing I want to point out here is Satan's gift. If you are the Son of God, Satan loves to give up his gift, a reason to doubt God. You know, if God really loves you, He would give you what you want. If God really was for you, if He was really real in your life, then He wouldn't be having this problem. He would eat this. He would have this. If God was real, the other thing about this gift, I've told you before, and I'm really good at the God if you prayer. That's a good one. God if you do that. Then all the laws, right? We're good. Satan loves in him. We want God to prove to us who he is. And this is really an appeal to our spiritual pride. That we feel that God owes us something. That God should prove himself to us. But I want to note to you that Satan here also quotes scripture. Satan quotes scripture to the Son of God. And he does so falsely. And we see a parallel here with the account of the fall of Adam and Eve when the tempter Satan says, But did God really say? Are you sure that God really said that you can't do that? Are you sure God really meant those kingdoms to get it? Did you really do that? In the church today, we see a lot of false Jesus scripture. 
We see a denial of what God has in fact said. Whether that is regarding life or marriage, sexuality, any number of things, where God has clearly said there are people who present themselves as leaders, both within and outside of the church, who see that and say, but they don't need to say that. And they openly question and deny the word of God. But I want you to notice something about the scripture is twisted. Scripture is always twisted for our comfort. To make it easier on us. The spirituality of rest and self-denial is not about our comfort. It's the opposite. It's to teach us that we draw near to God when we deny ourselves. When we pick up our thoughts and we follow the path of Jesus Christ. We must learn to deny ourselves rather than to deny God. We must learn to align ourselves to the scripture rather than to say, but did God really say? And Jesus responds to him in Deuteronomy 6 16. He says, Again, it is written, You shall not put the word of God to the test. Anytime we're putting God to the test, take out a movie this. We call that this. Jesus again quotes scripture and reminds us that when we are tempted, we are not to question God or ask God to prove himself to us, but we, like Jesus, must learn to walk in the promise of the word of God and submit ourselves to it. The tempter would like to confuse us as to what we are and that to be true. He would like to tempt us to deny the word of God. Anytime someone is denying scripture in order to make our lives easier, they're always wrong. The scripture is difficult, and I have often said that there are things that Jesus said that I wish he hadn't said. He said. And so, when scripture is presented to us falsely, like Satan does in this case, we must reject that and appeal back to the word of God. The third thing we see here is the idea of renouncing the world. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. Again, the death took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus is entering into his period of trial and temptation. Knowing who will face crucifixion and death, Satan always has a way out of that. I'll give you evidence. Just worship me. Man, Satan loves to make verbal promises, and they are very effective. He likes to promise us wealth and comfort, that we can be the king, we can be our own God, and make our own decisions. I have often said that very few people are truly atheists. Very few people have actually considered theologically and philosophically the question of God and decided against it. What most people are is heathens. A heathen is somebody that wants to live out their action. Most people reject God not for a theological reason, they don't even understand the theology. They reject God for moral reasons. God says that they can't have ten children, they love ten children. And then they say that, 
God says that they can't steal from the boss, but she don't understand. So they might steal from the boss, but she don't understand. Right? Whatever you want to make it, usually people reject God because they want to be their own God. That's the heart of the And God has given us moral precepts that are difficult. That are difficult to follow. And so rather than struggle to align themselves with that, they reject God and live how they want. I can say this to be in my house. When I go to my house, I am king. The temperature is exactly how I want it at all times. The volume is exactly how I want it at all times. It is wonderful. It's wonderful. And so, that's how we want to live our lives. We're going to have our own way. And the temporary fact uses this against us to convince us that we can have our way. We can decide to live how we want to live. Jesus said to him, Be God, Satan, for it is written, Ye shall worship, worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and he called the angels came, and were ministering to him. Jesus here quotes Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. He teaches us, that we are to worship and serve God alone. God, not the flesh, our appetite, not our pride, not the offers of the world and power and money. Those things come from the devil. We must worship the Holy Trinity. And this is why grace is important. Grace is intended to be for us a spiritual reset. When we come back, before God, acknowledging our errors, praying, fasting, reading God's word, and trying to bring our pride, our flesh, our sins, into line with the life of Jesus Christ, and to prepare with him for the death, burial, and resurrection that will occur on Easter. So as we begin with we're reminded once again that Jesus is the model for overcoming sin. For overcoming the flesh, renouncing spiritual pride, and renouncing the world. And I want to remind you of the words from the Ashland State Liturgy that says, Let us now pray for grace that we may faithfully keep this land. That prayer that we all faithfully keep this land. Almighty God, whose blessed Son is led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weakness of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, 